1. In 1975, the Friday after Thanksgiving in Yakima was icy and bleak. In the spring, Yakima and all of Yakima County is scented by what seems like a continuous froth of apple and peach blossoms from a thousand orchards. In the summer, it is rich with growing things, and in the autumn, the tree branches are pregnant with fruit. However, in the last dark week of November 1975, Yakima was bitterly cold with lowering clouds that promised snow all day, but never quite delivered by the time night fell. Saturday would mark the twelfth anniversary of one of America's most stunning catastrophes. November 22, 1963, the day President John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas while he was at the peak of his powers, dead shot to the brain before he had time to sense the presence of danger. The date was the first in a series of grim similarities, albeit on a smaller stage. Even though newly hung Christmas decorations were up on the light poles, it was hard to feel festive in Yakima. On that night of November 21, 1975, the sun set far too soon. For those people whose memories made their hearts heavy with sorrow and loss, there was a sense of one down and one to go. Thanksgiving was gone, and Christmas would be there before anyone realized it. It was so cold. Gerda Lindberg lived in a duplex at 506 East Lincoln in Yakima. Many streets in town were named after numbers or letters or names of presidents, and most of them had alleys that ran behind backyards, slicing the blocks in two, and allowing residents to park off the main streets. Gerda always described where she lived precisely, on the right-hand side on the corner of Sixth or Lincoln, or of Lincoln and the alley. The latter was more accurate. Gerda lived in a semi-basement-level apartment. Her bedroom window was set in a well and located smack-dab on the alley. Most evenings, Gerda sipped a bourbon and water, ate dinner, and then watched television until ten when she went to bed. She followed her pattern that dark Friday night of November 21st, 1975. She turned out her lights and then raised the bedroom window to get some fresh air. She wasn't afraid of burglars. It was a good neighborhood with lots of apartments, private homes, and churches nearby. In the daytime, there were dozens of older people who walked south down the alley to church activities. Gerda could never be absolutely sure of the order of events that happened later that night. Either she woke up from a disturbing dream in the middle of the night, or something she heard outside awakened her. She lay there trying to decide whether to get up. Later, she was fairly certain that she was already wide awake when she heard footsteps running in the alley. And I thought, she said, well, that's kind of odd this time of night, because it was so quiet, so I knew it was past midnight. And then it sounded like somebody bumped a garbage can or something, kind of a metal sound. Gerda Lenberg lay there, not disoriented, but curious, and a little apprehensive, as she heard firecrackers popping beyond her window. It was three or four, like you liked them right in succession. It might have been a few minutes or a little longer before she heard running footsteps again, this time heading in the opposite direction, north, and coming from a short distance away thudding directly above her window, and then fading.
She was positive the person was running. She was used to hearing the faltering steps of elderly people walking through the alley to church. This was nothing like that. It was kind of a hollow sound, like they might have had heavy soles or clogs, she remembered. That wouldn't mean much later in helping to identify the person running. In the mid-70s, practically everyone under 30 wore shoes with improbably built-up soles and Cuban heels, just as they wore polyester leisure suits with stitching on the lapels, plaid sports coats, bell-bottom pants, and poor boy sweaters. Gerda Lenberg didn't believe she had heard anything.